Hello, Drew. I love your face. And here's Danny Beach. Well, good morning. If I, uh, I think that I've, for the most part, been able to meet. Hey, Saxton. Hey, oh, my God. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's pray. Good morning. Good to see you. Hey, you. Hey, this morning we're talking about problems in marriage. <laughs> I'm Danny Beach and uh, the young adult pastor. And uh, I want to do this breakfast thing every once every couple months. Um, should not do breakfast. Here. <laughs> um, this is the attendance sheet, and uh, on the back is information or uh, blank places if you are new to the group and you would like to kind of get on the, um, in, in our group and we could send you emails and stuff that's upcoming and whatnot, put on, on our, um, our role, please fill that out. If you're interested in any information, just uh, scratch it on there, like if you want to be part of a community group or upcoming events, scratch me a note and I'll be sure to contact you. So I'll send that around and it'll go around. Um, last weekend we had um, the retreat and I had a blast. I hope, hope you did too, those of you that were able to join us. It was a great weekend away. Um, on Sunday we had a missionary uh, speak, Art, and he and his wife are in uh, Vietnam doing very difficult work there. And so I hope that that was, I hope that was valuable for those of you that were here. Um, it's, uh, it's not an easy, easy part of the world. But um, for those of you that were part of the retreat, thanks for, thanks for uh, coming. We do have Connect this Thursday, and I hated missing it. Last week uh, I was out of town at a conference. Um, I'll be back again this week. And uh, it's, it's every Thursday, 7 o'clock in the annex, which is, uh, there's a building that's kind of out next to the gym. Um, so seven o'clock, we, we probably roll, wrap up about 8.30, um, but then hang out there for a while. Um, the next uh, official event that we have going on, we've got flyers over here, is we are celebrating Thanksgiving in full American fashion uh, together, uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. So you can spend Thanksgiving with your family, uh, the Saturday before, you can spend with your friends. So it might be different. Uh, but we're doing a turkey fry at Bo and Steven's house, and uh, all the information is on here. We're asking if you come, if you would please bring something, um, a dessert or a drink or a side. I like mac and cheese, so oh, yes. free yes. to bring that. Um, and uh, we're providing the turkeys and all that stuff. So that stuff's coming up. We've got a turkey, um, we've got a, uh, Christmas party in the works. I'm also trying to meet with several uh, young adults in this class who have expressed interest in planning a mission strip. Um, and so I'm trying to meet with them before the end of the year. And uh, I'm working with Dave Bruner, our missions pastor, and to see if, if we can get something in the works uh, for this coming summer. So if you would like to speak into that, or if you have ideas or connections, we want to partner with somebody that we as a church are partnered with. Um, but really, uh, it's, it's, it's wide open. If that's something you're interested in being a part of, um, just, just talk to me. So um, there's some exciting stuff that I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to. Also, uh, Lauren and I, my wife, and our baby girl, Evie, um, 
We'll be going to Moe's for lunch and we'd love for you to join us. And so um, upstairs, uh, we'll be heading over there. And if you don't have lunch plans, please come on by. And uh, we'd love to just hang out with you after the service. So that's the stuff that is coming up. Um, let me pray for us and we will get started. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this group. I thank you for the, the blessing that this group um, is and has been to me and to, and to Lauren. I thank you for the safety that you provided um, for those of us that were traveling last weekend. And I thank you, Father, for just providing your son, Jesus Christ, uh, to give us the gospel that, ha- that, that is the reason why we gather. Father, this is not just a gathering of like-minded people. This is not just a gathering of people who happen to live in the same general area, but, but Father, we have something bigger and better and greater that binds us together here in the body of Christ, and I thank you for that. I thank you for this morning, and I ask that you be with us as we look in, into your word to us, and as we go from here into worship, um, that our hearts and our minds would be open, that we would be taught by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have been um, in this role leading the young adult ministry for... Uh, about three months, and I've really been in- enjoying it. Uh, I've been at the church for several years, and it's just been good to be a part of this group. And one of my visions and one of my my desires for this group is that we, as a, a microcosm of the greater church here at Ace Cooper, um, are able to become more effective as a group. Uh, there are objectives that the church has that, again, we are not... Uh, just a gathering of people who happen to believe the same thing. All all through scripture it says that there's there's greater value in the gathering together of the people of God. And it actually refers to those that are followers of Christ, believers, as as a body. And that the body works together. That we are not all just an eye. That we are all not just a hand. But together we accomplish God's work. Uh, You you know, I think a lot of times we look at, at church attendance or being a part of a, a Christian group as something that is, 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 is just beneficial for you as a, as a person and as an individual and as a believer. And though I believe that, and I believe it's actually vital that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you, you need to be a part of the body of Christ. But it's not just a you thing. It's not just a me thing. That in, in, in for, and for whatever reason, God has established his body to accomplish his work. So, you know, when you look at the world around us, what we don't see typically is a bunch of miracles going on, right? I mean, you, we read about kind of crazy miracles that were happening in, in Bible times, but ultimately what we see is we see God's work being done through the natural world by his people, right? And so, you know, when we take ourselves out of the body of Christ, it's detrimental to us personally. Um, and this is a hard statement, but it's also detrimental to the body of Christ. You know, I think a lot of times we look at, at God as being so powerful and so in control that we couldn't hinder his work. Though I believe that, he has still made it so that the body is the, the, the factor that accomplishes his work. Does that make sense? And so when we remove ourselves from the body, you know, when we don't engage in the body of Christ, it's not only detrimental to us, um, but we are not working towards the kingdom work that God has established for the body to do. So it's, 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 it's both and. And so this morning what I want to do is I just want us to look at 
a text that describes what the body of Christ is. I want to keep this in front of us. I want to keep this as a, a continuing goal. I think as we grow as a group and as this group grows closer and closer together, the issue of, of unity within the body and the issue of the necessity of community within the body of Christ is never going to go away. It's never going to, it's never going to dwindle. It's only going to increase, which I think will then increase our effectiveness as a representation of God on this earth. Does that make sense? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, <laughs> verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. Ephesians 4, 17. All right, let me read this for us. If you would follow along, please. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. This is speaking to believers. Let's establish that first. I'm sorry. All right, this is, this is a letter that is written to a church of people who uh, are pursuing and have faith in Jesus Christ. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. For that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Now, what I want to do is I kind of want to look and see where this text is going and what it has to do with the body. Now, in uh, Ephesians 4, let's go back to this first verse, all right? It's understanding that this is speaking to a body of believers, not just a, a random group of people who may or not, may not be Christ followers. It says, Now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. This is a command, all right? So we're going to look at this for just a second. It says, pardon my bad handwriting, all right? It says, no longer walk or do as the Gentiles do. Now, the Gentiles here are speaking to people, about people who are non-Christ followers. And then it, there's a, a fairly significant amount of ink dedicated to what that is and what that looks like. All right, so let's look at the text uh, from verse 17 to verse 20 
and it says things that we should no longer do or, or ways that we should no longer walk. All right, tell me what it says there in ways that we shouldn't we shouldn't be acting. Their hearts shouldn't be hardened. Hearts shouldn't be hardened. <coughs> Actually, I'm just looking for the descriptors here. All right. So, what is it? What 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 is what is the description of a Gentile, somebody who's not following Christ here? Callous. All right. What else? Sensuality. Given to sensuality. Sensuality. All right. Greedy. Greedy. What else? Bitter. Bitter. All right. Futile thinking. Futile thinking. Falsehood. Falsehood. Given a falsehood. <clears throat> Ignorant. All right. That about cover it. Unwholesome. I'm sorry. Unwholesome. Unwholesome. Now this is not pleasant, <laughs> right? I mean, if you were to say this about somebody, um, it would it would not be politically correct, first of all, um, but it would definitely be insulting. Um, hardened hearts, callous, given to sensuality, greedy, bitter, uh, futile thinking, uh, falsehood, ignorant, and unwholesome. When you look at the life of somebody who is not a believer, what you have is, to me, these three things, futile thinking, and falsehood, and ignorant, um, are not necessarily intentional on the part of the non-believer. You follow what I'm saying? That you have uh, somebody who has thinking that is not accurate or not filled with truth, um, but leads them to wrong conclusions. Um, and so the, the falsehood thing may or may not be intentionally dece deceiving, but living in a way that um, is not uh, leading to truth um, and, and ignorant. Now, nobody, it, nobody seeks ignorance, but you can still be ignorant. And so since uh, the author here, Paul, is speaking about uh, people who are not Christ followers, he's laying it out and saying, look, there, there's something missing in their life that's leading them astray that's doing things that they ought not to do, that does not uh, coincide with what it means to be a Christ follower. And as a result of these things, that is unfortunate, uh, the result is this other stuff. It's unwholesome, and that they're bitter, and that they're greedy, and given to sensuality, and they're callous, and have a hardened heart. Let's keep rolling. Verse 20. It says, But that is not the way that you learned Christ. That is not the way. All right? It says, uh, You should do this no longer. That is not the way you learn Christ. 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth in Jesus. To put off your old self, which would be all of these things. To put off your old self, in verse 22, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And as we move forward into the text, I feel like we have a new category here. And I'm just going to call it um, 
.edu, all right, for education. Now, it, it seems like it's saying, but that is not the way that you learned Christ. It's not the way that you've been trained, um, assuming that you have heard of him and were taught. All right, so there's, 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 a, there's a training and teaching motif that's going on here for the believers, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth. Is in Christ. I mean, what? I mean, wh why do you? Why are you learned, or why are you taught anything? Is to pursue truth. I mean, hopefully we're not pursuing ignorance and falsehood, uh, but it's the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. So we have learned and taught, and then it tells us to do two things, three things actually. It says to put off. And then it says, put on, and then be renewed. Verse 22, put off your old self. And then it tells the reader what the old self is and what it looks like, which belongs to your former way, manner of, of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, that there is a mental engagement that goes on here beyond rote behavior. That the, the life of pursuing Christ is a life that is founded and rooted in understanding what and why you're doing what you're doing. That it's not just a list of you were once a sinner, now you need to behave. You know, once you were a Gentile, and now you just need to stop being greedy. You know, now you need to stop sleeping around. Now you need to stop being ignorant. You know, that, that there's a mental engagement <clears throat> that happens through the Holy Spirit, not changing your mind, but renewing your mind. And to put on the new self. So you put off the old, you put on the new. Verse 25. Therefore, as a result of, because of all these things that we have just read, now, therefore, we see what is coming next. It says, therefore, and then it has five different uh, commands that say, stop doing one thing, and start doing another. Let's identify these. It says, stop doing one thing, you should not be doing these, and you should start doing these. What, what, what are they? What do you see there? Starting in uh, verse 25. Lay aside falsehood. Put off falsehood. And then you put on Speaking the truth. What else? Don't let your anger control you. Mm -hmm. Control. And what are you supposed to do? Put on self-control mm -hmm. so it doesn't happen. It says, uh, I'll put self-control as you said. It's interesting here. Let's look at this. I just want to take a, a, a minute and look at this. It says, be angry and do not sin. It doesn't say don't be angry. You know? It, it doesn't. Um, it says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. All right? So it's saying you could be angry, but you could be angry in a non-sinful way. But then it says, get over it before the sun goes down. You know? So it doesn't say hold on. You know, I... This, I mean, this is hard for me because it's like you, you got the Bible verse. It's like, hey, I could be angry because this jerk 
legitimately wronged me, right? But to be angry at this jerk that legitimately wronged me, um, I'm not supposed to gossip against them. You know, I'm not supposed to sin. I'm not supposed to, you know, curse their name. I'm not supposed to uh, spit in his face. You know, all these different things. Like, I could be angry because he legitimately did something to me. As long as I don't sin, I'm okay. And that anger stays, right? This is a tendency. So it's interesting, I think, that this verse says that you two believers, hey, you can be angry and don't sin, but you've got to let it go. It talks later about forgiveness. You've got to let it go. Be angry, do not sin, but don't let it go more than 12 hours because the sun's going down. All right? So it's saying deal with it immediately. Why? Don't let the sun go down in your anger, verse 27, and give no opportunity to the devil because your anger that is not ended in forgiveness will rot you. You know? I think that there's probably several of us in here who have been angry at people. I put myself in this category. And we haven't sinned against them, but we haven't forgiven either. And that sits there and it just kind of, it rots us. And it's saying that this is the way you once were and you were supposed to put off and put on and renew your mind because of the things that you've been taught and stop Putting, um, put off falsehood and start speaking the truth. Don't be angry, but you got to get over it. Forgive as you've been forgiven. It's going to say later. Sorry, rabbit trail. Third, stop and go. Stop stealing. The thief. And then what are you supposed to start doing? Honest work. Why? Very good. Stop stealing. Do something honest so that you can give. That's uh, three. We got five. What else do we see here? Corrupt talk. Corrupt talk. No corrupt talk. <coughs> Why? Build others up. Build others up. Give grace. <coughs> Race. Um, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Grace is not givable by us unless it is first given to us by God. Like, this, this, is what I, this is what I was talking about. That you can accomplish God's kingdom work by giving grace as, as a mirror reflects light to other people. That by you being a part of the body, it's not just saying stop your foul language. It's not just saying you shouldn't joke about those things. It's not just saying you need to stop talking that way about those people. Rather, stop, slam the brakes on, but then turn around and start doing something, building others up. Why? So that you can be a hand in the body of Christ. That you can be a mouth in the body of Christ. So it's not just stop, and it's not just do, but you do it so that you can accomplish the work of God, kingdom work, through what you're doing in the body of Christ. And the last.
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit is something that believers do. That the Holy Spirit is the agent in which God works in the life of the believer. And when the believer is not doing what he or she ought, um, it grieves the Holy Spirit. Um, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. This list, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice, to me, is, is similar. Do we see that? DJ? Quick question. Shoot. Can you explain what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit? Grieve the Holy Spirit happens when we, when we sin. And I think it happens more when we sin uh, continually. Um, the Holy Spirit can be quenched. In, in Scripture it also says, um, when we grieve the Holy Spirit and when we quench the Holy Spirit is when we stop listening to the only thing that could speak to us. You know? God's work, you know, in Mark... Um, 12, maybe, um, where Jesus is, uh, he's called Beelzebub by the Pharisees. You heard that story? Um, and Jesus says, how, how, uh, it makes no sense for me, who's, who's doing miracles, um, for, for God and claiming to be God, um, to be doing the work of the devil. And he says that, Hopefully I can remember this. Isn't continuous or continuous <laughs> quenching of the Holy Spirit the unpardonable sin? Um, that's where I'm going here. I have the reference wrong in my head. Sorry. What Jesus says, what Jesus says is, listen, guys, you can you can deny me as the Son of God, but if you deny the Holy Spirit, um, then there's nothing else to speak truth. So you can deny me as the Son of God, who is, is is audibly speaking the truth, and I die on the cross, rise again, go up to be with my Father on the right hand. Um, and if you deny me, the Holy Spirit's still around; He can still convict. But if you then deny the Holy Spirit continually, and this is speaking only to non-believers, this is not applicable to believers, because it says once you're in God's hand, He cannot release you. He cannot. That is God's part. Okay. Um, it says if you if you deny the Holy Spirit as a non-believer, um, then what what other truth speaker is there? It's not like you deny the Holy. You guys following? It's not like you deny the Holy Spirit. It's like oh, I'm going to go listen to Holy Spirit Junior. Or I'm going to go listen to the other ways that God's work that God works in the hearts of people. It's through the Holy Spirit, and if it's not through the Holy Spirit, then it's not. So 
So when you're talking about the Holy Spirit in the role of the believer, the Holy Spirit will not leave you as a believer, but you can definitely um, grieve the Holy Spirit. I hope that helps, BG. When it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, it tells you the ways in which you can grieve the Holy Spirit. It says, um, bitterness, wrath, anger, and, and you're kind of like, I thought this was supposed to be a group of the non-Gentiles here, you know? That these were things that the believers <laughs> were actually dealing with and struggling with and, and commanded uh, to not do as, as things that, that identify and describe who they are. Aaron? Yeah, I was just going to make the observation um, with the Holy Spirit that, like, the whole list of, like, put off and no longer, like, those are all things that cause, like, schisms and fractures in interpersonal relationships. Like, those are all, like, within the community, like, people-to-people things. And, like, what they're saying to do and what to go towards is to walk towards, like, reconciliation in relationships or walk towards, like, healing and forgiveness and grace in relationships. Like, all those things are, um, like, effective for relationship building. And so I think if you're working with the Holy Spirit in a relationship, um, it's going to be about, like, building it up and extending grace. But um, to do things that cause schisms and fractures and um, hurt and brokenness within relationships, like, that's working, like, actively against the Holy Spirit, like, the person of God <laughs> um, with us. And so, I mean, that would be grieving <laughs> to be, like, working towards something and excited to have your children working with you in this and then for your child to be like, eh, punch you in the face. I'm going to do something that like throws your whole plan off. Mm-hmm. Like that, that would be saddening and disheartening as like God the Father in that. And so that's how I understand it. Mm-hmm. And like putting it in the interpersonal context, it makes more sense to be like, yeah, of course the person of the Holy Spirit would grieve that. I, I don't know if that's helpful. But. I think it's, it's a truthful statement. Don't do this that list of things. But then it says, do, do this. What does it say? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God Christ forgives. Kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. Um, Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. It's the gospel. As God, the Father, in and through Jesus Christ forgave you. That, that when, when you are not a believer and you recognize the gospel, that man is a sinner in desperate need of a Savior, Jesus Christ, when that happens and you acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the only way that you can be saved, that he's the only one who can forgive, that he's the only one that can fix the broken relationship between you as a human and God as God, that that can only be restored through Jesus Christ, that is what salvation is. That is what it means to become a Christ follower. And it says, kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. That we're, we're building all of this on something that's more than just, hey, behave now, you know? It's more than just, this is, this is how you ought to look. But do this because this is what Christ has done for you, forgiving each other. Now, to me, one of the interesting and difficult things about forgiveness, I think it's, I think it's interesting that it says... Um, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be, be put away from you. 
um, that these were things that were happening within the body of Christ. You know? That this isn't necessarily talking about anger that you have with your uh, non-believing co-worker. You know? Um, I had the opportunity to go to Ephesus a couple years ago and um, see the ancient city and walk the streets and sat in the Colosseum. It's all, not all still there, but it's largely still there. And um, we went and visited a, a missionary family in that part of the world, not in Ephesus, but um, in Turkey still. And they had a church there. Um, Turkey is, um, it's 100% Muslim, um, but they're kind of striving to be westernized, kind of. And so it is not illegal to be a Christian there, but they don't like it. <laughs> okay? So in other Muslim countries, you know, you might lose your head. Um, here, you just might not lose your head as quick. All right? And so they have the, the police um, in this town where this missionary couple was living. They started a church. There's a church there. Um, and so it's allowed. They're allowed to have a church. But... You know those little mobile construction offices that you see in construction sites? They have one of those on cinder blocks in front of the church, and it's a police station. <laughs> okay? They're like, mm, we're going to put a police station right here. And it's both to kind of monitor what the church is doing, but it's also to stop bombers, basically. And they have, um, because it would look bad, because again, we're kind of trying to be westernized, so they don't want people to, to die like you see in other places. So it's this, it's this bizarre mix of, of freedom and not, and it's, I mean, it's one reason why we need to be praying for our, our missionaries, because it's, a, it's an odd, tough situation. But in that church, in that little church in Turkey, I was asking the, um, the uh, missionary, you know, tell me about this church and how can we pray? And he said, um, you know, in this church we've got bitterness. And we've got people who are um, upset with each other. We've got younger guys who are new in the faith, but they don't know their Bibles very well, um, and they are—they're trying to trying to teach, but they don't—they don't know the word, and it's upsetting other people, and it's kind of causing bickering. Sound familiar? <laughs> and uh, we're sitting there, and I was like, "It just sounds like it's what it's what the first church dealt with, you know? Because in Turkey." At this, in this city of millions of people, it's the only church. So it's not like, wow, you just offended me, so let me cross the street over here and go to this church where I like their worship better. You know, It doesn't happen that way. If you're a believer, that's the church you go to. And we're sitting there almost surprised that it's the same issues. And I think that we would be foolish to think that some of these things don't still apply to us. That even as believers, even as a part of a community, that we are supposed to look at ourselves as not just a club, but that we are the body of Christ, that we are the agent by which God has ordained his work to be accomplished. And in order for that to happen in a healthy way, in an effective way, we need to not be like the Gentiles. We need to put off and put on and renew our minds. We need to look back to the things that we've learned and what we've been taught, and we need to stop doing things, and we need to start doing others. You know, I grew up Christianized. You know, I grew up in the bubble of uh, 
I went to a Christian school, even, and my parents went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, and of course I knew that I wasn't supposed to be a liar, you know? Um, but to say that you're supposed to not be doing these things, but in turn start doing these things, not just for the sake of your own soul, but for the sake of the work of the body of Christ on this earth. That it's not just something that is feeding and renewing and, and refreshing my soul by being a part of the community, but that my being involved here actually accomplishes God's work. Now, that sounds a little, just to say it to me, sounds a little arrogant. But I believe it's what the scriptures teach us. That you're not supposed to be angry, or you're not supposed to sin in your anger. But you need to forgive. Right here, we do this because of what God has done for us first. This isn't just talk, this isn't just talking about an outrageous um, stealing problem that was in the church, but it's talking about people who have uh, lived as the Gentiles have done need to not only stop. So if you're a thief, stop stealing. But that's not that's not it. And stop stop stealing. Start doing honest work. But that's not it either. Why? So that you can have something to share with the needy. That there are other people in the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ that you can be the hands and feet of God because you have stopped doing this and you've started doing this so that you can give. No corrupt talk. Why? So that you can build others up. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? Don't do all these things so that you can be these things. That you can be an agent of grace. That you can be an agent of grace by being a part of the body of Christ. And that's what I want our group to be. I want our group to be giving when somebody is needy. You know? I'm not, just, I'm not talking about dollars necessarily. I think that we do have needy people here. But I think that there are people in this group who are needy. I think we're all needy at certain levels. I mean, Almost everybody in here um, wasn't born and raised here. Some of you were. Um, a lot of you are, are new here within the last year or two years. And we need other people speaking into our lives. And you need to be speaking into other people's lives. You know? You, I, I, I fully believe you need to be a part of a community group. Not just so that you can be spoken to, but that so that you can do the speaking. You know? That you can be an agent of grace. And I don't know how to say this without it sounding, you know, horribly legalistic. But you need to be here on Sunday mornings. Um, I'm not saying in this class. I think that there are a dozen other ways that you could fully engage in the body of East Cooper without being in this class. And so I don't think that this class is the holy... Uh, the holy uh, answer to everything. But what I do think is this class is a gathering together of people who are in very similar age and stage of life. And that we, as a group here, have the ability to do more as a group than as individuals. And so, it, but I don't think that you can participate in that if you're not here, you know? I, I, I think that one of the least effective things you can do as a believer who is still pursuing Christ um, is just come 
to Sunday morning worship and leave. Because it's like it's like 0.1% of what it means to participate in the body of Christ. Does that make sense? Is to go and sit and listen to some guy speak, sing along with some other guy leading music, chat with a couple friends, go to Moe's. That's not the body of Christ. You know? That is not the body of Christ. I mean, even if it is feeding your soul, that's good. That's part of why you do it. And that needs to be happening. But if that's it, then what you're doing is you're, you're stopped doing one thing, hopefully, and you are doing something, you, you, you know, you, you stop um, stealing, and you begin being honest, but then it stops there, you know? That this, this piece, stop doing this, start doing this, and why? Why? Because we are a part of the body of Christ, and you are an agent working for the purposes of God. I mean, uh, if you grew up in the church, you probably heard questions like, you know, why didn't you just go straight to heaven when you got saved? Have you ever heard that question? You know, if, if I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, what's the point of me staying here? I mean, I don't want to over-spiritualize things, but I think it kind of lays it out right here so that you can do God's work, that he wants you to do the work that he's called you to do. I mean, technically, I suppose that we could say, you know, I do believe that God, if he changed his mind or wrote, wrote the book differently early on, he could say, you know what, as soon as people get saved, I'm going to rapture them right up into heaven, and then I... God is going to be the agent that actually my finger is the one that's doing all the work. I mean, it is, but he, he, he's designed it so that we are his body, that we are part of the family of God, that we are the children of God, and that we will be sealed. We are sealed for that day when Christ comes back and we will go back to heaven, but we're not there yet. For now, we're part of this body. So, I say all that to, to throw out a challenge that um, that you look at the body of Christ. And locally, it's East Cooper Baptist Church. And, and specifically, it's the young adult ministry. That you look at the body of Christ as something that you must be bought into and, and, and participate in. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to build a, a program like a Danny, you know, we need to do all this stuff. You, I mean, you can, you can find other ways. And if there, are other, if there are other ways in East Cooper, you know, MCO class or other adult classes, do it. I, I want to be about the kingdom here, you know. But I think that if you're a part of this age and stage, that there's, there's a value in us doing this here now. That I, the last thing in the world that I want to do is just plan another thing to do on Thursday nights, you know. But I think that there's value in the gathering together of the believer. And I've been enjoying Connect. Now, I know schedules, you know, if you can't make it, I don't think it's one of those things where God is firing lightning, you know, rods at you, being like, you've got to change your whole life so you can be there every Thursday. But what I'm saying is, is that you need to be bought into this and, and committed. That, that Sunday morning dare not be a decision that's made on, on Sunday morning when you're like, should I make it? You know what I mean? That, that the, the participation in the body of Christ should not be if I got enough sleep or if I, um, if I feel like it or if I mean, friends are there, blah, 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 blah. That this is something that defines us because we are part of the body. Not only for your soul, but for the sake of accomplishing God's greater work.
I think it's what we're called to. I love doing this, and I love you guys. Um, I'm glad that God's called Lauren and I to, to be a part of the Young ministry. Um, we want to be available to you. Um, let me pray for us, and we will wrap it up. Um, I've got flyers over here for the turkey fry if you want information on that. It's on the website if you uh, want to join East Cooper Young Adults website. You can see more information more frequently there. Um, one of the things that I want to start doing is I want to start this class closer to 9.30. <laughs> now, the, officially the class starts at 9.30. Um, it ends at 10.45, uh, all right, hour and 15 minutes. And I, I want, I thought it was awesome hanging out in here, enjoying some breakfast, everybody chatting. Um, there's not a lot of opportunity for us just to get together. So Sunday morning is, I think it's a small piece, it's not everything, but I think it's a small piece of why we get together. And I would love for us to get together, spend some time in the Word, and still have a little bit of time afterwards to get to know new people and catch up with friends. And so, I'm throwing the charge out there. Let's start closer to 9.30. I haven't been pushing it, so I'm blaming myself. And that, that's what happens. When you don't push it, people are like, well, we're not starting until 9.45, so I won't come to 9.45. I've done that 100 times. Um, but not in here. All right, so we're going to start closer to 9.30. All right, when we when we start this class so that we can kind of hang out a little bit afterwards. Brooks? Oh, not to be in your business, Danny, can we just make the time 9.15? So people won't be here. You're all in my business, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, work against us. I mean, uh, work, work with my kind of brain. Yeah. I'm going to be late. You can tell yourself to be here at 9.15. There's probably an app for that. <laughs> well, listen, let me, let me pray for us. We've still got five or six minutes before the class is officially over. Um, join us for Connect if you're able to. Um, join us at Moe's um, afterwards if you're able to. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Father, I thank you that um, in your wisdom and in your providence, um, you have designed us to be a part of eternal things, to be a part of kingdom work, that we are still here on this earth until the day you call us home, and that as believers, we must be about your business. And Father, I, I pray that at East Cooper... And as a part of the young adult ministry, Father, that we would be excellent at that. That that's something that we would do well. And that you, as our God, would be glorified. And that we would be impacting the Charleston area. Just because we're taking steps of obedience and doing the things that you've called us to do. That are eternal. That fuel the flames of joy in our own heart and our own mind. Father, thank you for your love, and I thank you for this worship service that is coming. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. There's still some stuff back there, y'all. Help yourself if you want to grab a bite.